How are we doing, Red Rocks? Anybody happy to be in church today? On a 73-degree day in January in Austin, Texas, give away two high fives and take a seat. Welcome to Red Rocks. And happy first birthday. Come on. It's your birthday, guys. Happy birthday to all of us. Anybody here for the first time? Anybody? Welcome. Welcome. So glad that you're here. Thank you for being here. I'm going to tell you up front because you're going to find out anyways you did not find the perfect church. We proudly say that we are imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. And whoever you are, whatever you believe, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, you will now and always have a, a home at Red Rocks. And so welcome to church. We are so glad that you're here. And all of us are a little bit emotional today because it was one year ago that this whole thing launched. And I think back and see all the ways that God's been so faithful to us over the past 365 days. And it's, it's amazing. And my confidence has never been higher because of the evidence that we have in this past year. And he's so good and he will continue to be good. And, uh, and I have three actually very cool family announcements to share with you. You want to hear them? You do. Trust me. A few weeks ago, uh, we took our very first end of year offering. And as a family, as a church, we gave $56,000 our very first year. That's a big deal because that is you. That's us putting a stake in the ground at the very beginning of our church and saying we are going to be generous. Um, it's not just going to be something we do. That's, that's who we are. That is now in our DNA and, and a, part of, a part of us. And, and, and to prove that, that leads to, to announcement number two. The first $9,000 of that 56000 is going to, to building our very first building as a church in Honduras. We are building a house for a family that doesn't have a house. You did that. And, I, man, I, I hope and pray that you feel like... You feel like uh, a Holy Spirit, Red Bull, adrenaline rush just going through your body because that's what you should feel like when you're, part, when, you, when you're part of funding the kingdom of God and you're part of something that's much bigger than you. And so thank you for being part of this with us and thank you for, for partnering with us in life change. Truly, that's what we get to be a part of, not because, not because of any of us, but because of him. And he just, he just happens to let us be part of the story, which leads me to, to point number three, and it's actually our second building announcement. Um, three weeks, actually no, three weeks ago, we signed a lease for a brand new building that we will be moving into on March 1st as a church. Yeah. When I say brand new building, it's a brand new building for us. The building is actually not brand new, and we did not buy it. We can't do that. We can't buy it. We are, we're renting this building, but we're going to get to move in and set up one time, and every day of the week, it will be ours. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's less than a mile from here. It's right off of 35 and 183, literally right off the highway. And you'll hear more about this story over the next few weeks, but uh, uh, this has got God written all over it. We've never been more sure about a transition and a move. But rather than me tell you, how about I just show you? Enjoy this What's video. up, Red Rocks Church? I am right now standing in the lobby of our brand new home. We have a building. And to clarify, we don't own the building. And it's kind of an amazing miracle story for why we're here. But long story short, and you'll hear more about the story in the coming weeks, uh, this is our temporary permanent home. And for the next three to five years, this is where we will grow our family so that people can come here and they can experience God and find family and discover their God-given purpose so they can go lead and, and make a difference. And, and we can make the name Jesus famous in Austin, Texas. And so March 1st is the day that we are launching 
in this building. And until then, we're gonna set up one time and three to five years later, we'll tear down one time. We're celebrating this weekend. Thank you to all of you who have prayed for this and been part of this, and we can't wait for the next chapter. We love you guys. Come on. Did you happen to see that parking lot? My goodness. For those of you who, because our our parking lot's kind of overflowing right now, it's not a huge parking lot, so for those of you who had to park at Goodwill or McDonald's or wherever else, uh, thank you. And... Check out that parking lot, okay? That's coming. So here, here's, the, here's the story, just really quick, um, because we didn't buy this building. It Actually, it was built as a movie theater back in the day. I'm not sure of the exact year or day. doesn't matter. But then it became a church, and a few months ago, the church that was in there moved out. They moved to a new location about 30 minutes north of here, and a nonprofit organization called the Humane Society purchased this building and their plan is to raise a bunch of money and in three to five years from now demolish that building and build a whole new building because it's such a good location that's why they bought it until then it's going to be sitting empty and it's kind of outfitted for a church already and so through a series of like crazy god-ordained conversations and miracle miracle uh conversations long story short we are like we just said hey you want like some rent money every month it's just going to be sitting empty, we'll move in, and we'll take the building, and then three to five years from now, we will move out. So we have a temporary, permanent home, and uh, it's ours every day, you guys. We don't, we, like, we don't know what to do with this. I'm like, we can do prayer nights. We can do prayer mornings. We can do a prayer afternoon if we want. We make the rules now. We can have volunteer appreciation nights and leadership nights. We can start youth, hopefully soon. Like The, the possibilities are endless, and it's never been about a building. A church is not a place. It's a people, and this is our people. And this is our family. We are the church. But my gosh, the the possibilities that will open up to growing the kingdom of God because of this kind of resource. It's just so cool. It's so cool and such an answered prayer. So to all of you who have been praying for that, thank you, thank you, thank you. And our, our little family detail that we felt like was important for you to know, um, just for stewardship purposes, is uh, we get this building every day. Um, and we will be paying actually quite a bit less than we pay just for Sundays at this building. And so it's just, it's got God written all over it. Stewardship and, and miracle are the two words that come to my mind with this. And so March 1st is going to be the first week. We got eight more weeks here, which we're going to enjoy. It's going to be amazing. And in the meantime, we will start setting up. And we actually, we could use a lot of help setting up. And it's a cool building, but it needs some Red Rocks TLC. And so starting next week, we're going to have a bunch of announcements about work days. And if you want to be part of this and have ownership in this new space, and if you're looking to get your hands on a paintbrush or set something up, we could use you. And we would love to make this a family thing. And so you'll be making, you'll be hearing a lot more about that next week, but can we, can we do this? Can we just, will you guys pray with me? I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you right now to God. God, we love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what, like the gift of this building. Jesus, it's not about a building and it never has been and it never will be. But the opportunities that this opens up to build your kingdom and to see lost people come to know you, and people experience God and find family and discover their purpose for why they're alive and and turn around and make a difference in this city. The possibilities are now endless, and God, we just, we're we're so grateful. This is a, a miracle. This did not happen by human hands. This was your plan from the beginning, 
thank you for being so good to us and continuing to lead us step by step. I pray in the name of Jesus that this space, this building, would be a beacon of hope in this city. I pray that as people drive by on 35 and 183, that even as they pass this building, they would feel and sense your presence, like there's something more out there, a God who loves them, just by driving past it. I pray this would be a city on a hill. I pray that it would be a lighthouse to guide prodigals home to you. Teach us to steward every last drop of this building the same way we've tried with all of our hearts to do that here. We love you, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, let's get going. So 167 is the new series. Ethan kind of introed it, so I will just jump right in, and I'll start with a question. Who remembers their very first slow dance? Anybody? Your first slow dance ever. I thought there'd be a stronger contingency than this. Just me. Emily does. Maybe I was so nervous, and that's why I remember. I, like, I was 12 years old. It was my very first boy-girl party. Um, we just moved to Colorado. A girl my age named Monica, she was in my grade. She lived up the street. She was having a party. I got invited, so I put on my coolest outfit, which was an oversized Colorado Avalanche hockey jersey and baggy basketball shorts and, and tall socks, okay? And I had frosted tips at the time, too, and I just feel like, that, I feel like that's an important detail for you to know. And uh, I, re- I was talking to Ryan about his very first slow dance yesterday. He was the same age, and he said it was to the song. Well, I don't even know what the song's called. I can sing it. I want to spend the rest of my life with you by my side forever and ever. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. And uh, he, he was telling me mid-song... Mid-song, he had a panic attack and realized, oh my gosh, did I just commit to that? Like forever and ever? What have I done? <laughs> mid, Mid-slow dance for me, I finally realized, oh wait, I think I'm supposed to like lead this dance. Turns out in a slow dance, one person is supposed to lead and the other person is supposed to follow. Who knew, right? Here's my spiritual transition right here. I want to start our 167 series with a two-week message. This has never been tried in the history of our church. A two-week, a two-part message called the Who Do Dance. The Who Do Dance. You have a who and you have a do. Or said it, I'll say it this way. You have an identity and then you have actions And each of those affects the other. Who you are affects what you do, and what you do affects who you are. Those two things sort of divinely dance with each other. And in the beginner spirit of a brand new decade and a brand new year, if you want to change this year, if you want to see life change happen in your life, if you want to to get better this year, if you've got resolutions this year, if you want to get closer to God this year and experience more of this abundant life that Jesus talked about this year, which you should which you should, I'm going to give you the secret right here and right now. That will, that will only happen if your who leads the who-do dance in your life. It will only happen if it begins with your identity because the right identity will make way for the right actions. If you know who you are, you will know what to do. 
and I'll show you. You're like, well, we're like, cite your source, Doug. The Bible is my source. Jesus is my source. And I'm going to show you in John chapter 1 right here. Jesus is about to show us that the right actions will follow the right identity. So here we go. John chapter 1, starting in verse 35. The next day, John was there. This is John the Baptist. He was there with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. They were intrigued. This God who's also a lamb, this is intriguing, will follow this guy. And so I just picture this. John the Baptist, by the way, was, was, he, he was an interesting character. He wore camel skin and ate locusts and wild honey, okay? So get this scene in your imagination right now. I picture three guys sitting under a tree wearing camel and, and dipping bugs in honey and eating that for lunch. And I, I'm like, man, this is so Austin. This has got Austin written all over it. It's weird in the best way possible. This is applicable for us. And then they see Jesus and they go and they follow Jesus and turning around Jesus saw them following and asked what do you want they said rabbi which means teacher where are you staying come he replied and you will see so they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him it was about four in the afternoon Andrew Simon Peter's brother was one of the two that had heard what John said and had followed Jesus and the first thing he did was go find his brother Simon and say to him, we've just found the Messiah, all right? And that's a big thing to say. Hey, we, you know the guy we, we've all been waiting for? Yeah, we just found him, the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. And by the way, this is the Great Commission, as simple as possible, and the Great Commission should be simple. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't need a seminary degree. You don't need to know apologetics. You simply just need to bring your people in your sphere to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. And I, I even pray this new building would be that space that we are proud to invite our friends, our people to. Not to, not to see a church, but to meet the creator of everything. This Jesus, he is everything that you are looking for, which Simon is about to find out. Jesus looked at him and said, you are. Now that's important, those two words. You are Simon, son of Judah. And this might be more important. You will be Cephas, which is translated Peter. You are Simon. You will be Peter, which means rock. And so right here in this moment, Jesus changes everything about Peter's life. His next decade, his destination, his destiny, his calling. Everything about Peter's life, Jesus changes it simply by changing Simon's name. That's all he had to do. And I think it's important for us to stop and acknowledge how socially awkward this scene in the Bible is. Like, we don't want to read over this too quickly because, like, Andrew, like, he, he shows up. It's like, yo, Jesus, this is my brother Simon. And Jesus goes, Simon, I'm going to call you Cephas. You're like, well, no, my name's Simon. Oh, I'm going to call you Cephas. Like, this is like an equivalent. If I were to meet you after church, like, oh, your name's George? I'm going to call you Randy. Rand for short. Is that cool? What's up, Rand? You're a legend, Rand, right? Like, this is, Jesus is going, oh, Simon, nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm going to call you Peter. Pete for short. Is that all right? Doesn't matter because I'm going to do it anyways. Your name, and, and back, like, names have always been a big deal. But back then, your name was your identity, it was everything. I'll say it this way. Your name back in this day was your who. 
Your name was your who, right? And so Simon shows up and meets Jesus, and Jesus says, you are this. I know who you are. I know you. And that, that kind of gets lost in translation to us in 2020 because we are the, the Instagram social media generation, right? We are more connected, and yet experts say we are lonelier, lonelier and more isolated than ever before, than ever before, right? And Jesus says, no, 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 I know you, not by your Instagram page, not on a surface level, like where somebody asks you, how you doing in church? And you say, good, like, oh, I'm fine, like you're supposed to, to, you're supposed to say that. Jesus says, no, 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 on a deeper level, in your human heart. And by the way, the deepest desire of the human heart, I believe, is to know and be known by God and by others. And catch this, Jesus is saying to you, I know you, like fully. In a world where everybody knows what you had for breakfast, but nobody knows how bad you are hurting, Jesus says, I know you, everything about you, the good, the bad, and the ugly, better than you know yourself. And at the very same time that you are fully known, you are fully and unconditionally loved. To understand being fully known and fully loved at the exact time same time will change your life in every way. And this is why I say to you all the time that when you walk through that door, God loves you exactly the way you walk into this building and at the same time loves you way too much to let you leave this building the same. Look at what he did with Simon. Simon showed up and Jesus says that this is who you are, and I love you exactly who you are. Yet Simon left that scene as Peter. He left that scene changed. And so at this church, you will always be fully known and fully loved for exactly who you are. And at the very same time, you will always be inspired and challenged to live at a higher level. This is, this is straight from the heart of Jesus, that he can love you for who you are and yet challenge you to change at the same time. Love you exactly where you're at and yet call you to more. You are Simon, and I love you, but you will now be Peter, because I love you. You are this, and I love you so much, but you will now be that. Why? Because I love you so much. And he does this not by telling Simon what to do, but by giving him a new who. Changes his name to Cephas or Peter, which means rock, because he knows, Jesus knows, because Jesus knows the end from the beginning. Jesus knows that Peter is going to go on to be the rock that Jesus will build his church on, and not even the gates of hell will be able to prevail against it. Jesus knows that this Peter will one day walk on water with him. Jesus knows that this Peter will one day preach to thousands, and he will go on to die a martyr's death. And when they crucify him, he will request to be crucified upside down because because he won't feel worthy enough to be crucified and killed in the same way, shape, and form as his Messiah and best friend. Jesus knows all of this about the future, so he calls him by that name before any of it happens. Because Jesus knows the who leads the dance in the who-do dance. Because the right identity will lead to the right actions. This is who you were but this is who I say you are. This is what you've done. This is where you've been. This is who you've been, 
but you are who I say you are. I give you your identity. This is the thesis right here. When you know who God is, you will know who you are. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. When you know who God is, you will know who you are. Diane, I love you. You will know who you are. When you know who you are, you will know what to do, which means the best thing that you can do in your 167 this week and every week is for you yourself to go and know God. And notice, notice, and this is important, I didn't say go know more things about God, although that's important and that has its place. I didn't say, hey, in your 167, go know more things about God. I said, in your 167, go and know God, because there's a difference between those two things. So in 2011, me and Ethan, uh, we worked at a, a, a kid's um, Bible camp at a, a big church in Denver, and uh, we... Um, we, uh, that we actually, we met Tim Tebow one of the days. During, like, do we have a picture? The proof is in the picture. It's right here. There we go. There's Tim. So good. You like those orange shirts? It's because they paid us all week to be worship leaders. And like we led worship in the morning for hundreds of kids. And you're like, oh, I didn't know you guys led worship. Oh, we don't. For some reason, we got this job, though. We spent the rest of the day driving around in golf carts throwing water balloons at little kids. Seriously, and they loved it. Don't worry. That's our water balloons is one of our spiritual gifts. But um, God rewarded us and let us meet Tim Tebow. I was going to say we hung out with him, but it was two minutes, all right? It was just two minutes is, is how long we, uh, we met him. But uh, I, I, know, I know some stuff about Timmy, you guys. I call him Timmy because I know him now, right? And so um, I, know, I know this. I know that uh, Timmy, Timmy Tebow, I know that uh, he played quarterback at the University of Florida. He's a Gator, and in 2007, he won the Heisman Trophy, and he was a two-time national, uh, BCS national champion, and he went on to play for the, in the NFL for the New York Jets and the Denver Broncos, and he led the Denver Broncos to their first playoff win in seven years on January 8, 2012. With a post-route throw to Demarius Thomas on the first play of overtime against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, I can tell you some stuff about Tim Tebow. I know some stuff about Tim Tebow. But if for whatever reason you run into Tim Tebow at the yard house this afternoon, whatever you do, don't tell him that Doug Weckenman says hi. Don't tell him that. Because although he's the golden boy and very polite and would probably just smile at like, oh, yeah, he has no idea who I am. Because I know things about Tim Tebow, but I don't know Tim Tebow. And there's a difference between those two things. And so here's my question for you. If you're being honest, is there a chance that you know Jesus the way I know Tim Tebow? Like you know some stuff about him. You know some of the things to say. Like this is a, a common Christian story in the church, right? But you don't know him. I know things about Tim, but as cool as he is, Tim Tebow has not changed my life because in order for that to happen, relationship is required. Pursuit is required, which brings me to my next photo. I like this picture better. That's my beautiful wife, Sam. And you can, uh, even without knowing her, you can, like, you can deduce a few things from this photo, like I married up, she's out of my league. And that's a compliment to me, by the way. If you tell me that, I will give you a high five. And to me, that's, like, that's one of the main differences between males and females. Like, tell any husband, dude, you married up. And he'll high five you. might even hug you. You guys will go golfing and talk about how he married up. But tell any bride on her wedding day, girl, you about to marry up. Up top. 
No, don't actually do that. <laughs> but if Sam had a Wikipedia biography, I don't know if she does or not, I haven't checked, but you could, you could find out, oh, I know, I know stuff about Sam. She was born on St. Patrick's Day in 1990, and she's five foot three and three quarters, and she wanted me to make sure I added the three quarters under the five foot three, and she has blonde hair and blue eyes, and she graduated from CU, the University of Colorado, in 2013, and, and I could keep going there. And, uh, but, but here's the thing. I know things about Sam, but more importantly, I know Sam. Here's why. Because while we were dating, we did long distance for 18 months, which is horrible. 18 months. For one year out of that, I was doing mission work in, in a few countries where there was no internet. And so for an entire year, we Skyped twice. We Skyped twice. We spent the rest of the time writing letters and writing emails because it's all we had. And you get creative when that's all you have, which brings me to my first point, that you don't have to see a person to be able to pursue that person. Hello, right? This was my wedding gift from my wife. Every email that we sent that year, printed out and made into a book. Now, I'd pass this around, but... If this was Ethan's diary, I'd pass this around, but <laughs> you guys can't see this. Me and Tim Tebow don't have one of these. We don't. This is pursuit of two people in a relationship seeking to know each other. Now, here's my question for you. Metaphorically, do you and God have one of these? Like, do you know stuff about this God who loves you so much? Or do you know this God who loves you so much? And honestly, like, he's written one of these to you that you can read every day if you want to. When Christians think, like, here, do you know God? Or do you just know things about him? Because it's a horrible trade to trade knowing the creator of the universe who knows you better than you know yourself, just to know some facts and to be able to quote some verses. That stuff has its place, but that's not the end game. That's the route to the end game, which is a deeper relationship with the creator of everything. Because when you know God, you will know who you are. And when you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. That's why the who is what leads the dance in the who do dance. We begin with the identity. That's why when Simon came up to Jesus, the first thing Jesus did was give him a new name. Even though Simon wasn't ready to act like his new name. Even though he wasn't up to behaving like his new name, Jesus saw something in him and knew the end from the beginning, knew about 68 AD when, when Peter would go to that cross upside down as a martyr for his faith, refusing to, to renounce Jesus as king. Jesus saw all of that and called Simon Peter now because he understands from your identity the right actions will flow. The right actions will flow. I heard, I heard Craig Rochelle say it this way. Like, if, you are, if you're trying to quit smoking, that's a great goal. Like, if that's one of your resolutions, let's say, this year, and then somebody offers you a cigarette, and you say, oh, I'm trying to quit. What you just did is you identified as a smoker who's trying not to smoke. 
as opposed to, hey, if somebody offers you a cigarette saying, actually, I don't smoke anymore. That was a former identity, but this is now who I am, and from this identity, I have new actions, which include not smoking, but it didn't start with the do. It started with the who. Your actions will follow your identity. This is who I am in Jesus. And even like, this is my new identity. And even when I don't act like my new identity, it doesn't change my identity because my actions are in my inconsistent hands, but my identity is permanently sustained by the God of everything who does not change. We change, but he does not. And he has given you a new identity, a new who, which is where we begin this decade with who you are. When Jesus looks at you, you show up and he says, I love you exactly the way you show up. And I love you way too much to let you walk out of here with the same identity that you walked in here with. You have a new identity, and here it is. It is Hebrews 10, 14, which says this, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect. So this is you. He has made perfect those who are being made holy. I don't know if you caught that. He's saying, you have been made perfect now. Oh, but you're being made perfect now. You have been made perfect you are already but not yet. This is your new identity, and now you're learning to live like it's true. Which brings me to my next point, and if you get this, man, this will change your life. There is a person that you already are in Christ. Hear me on this. Because of Hebrews 10, 14, there is a person you already are in Christ, and now you're learning to live like it's true. There is a person that you already are because of Jesus, because of a one sacrifice, because of his blood and double imputation and him becoming sin and on the cross taking your sin and exchanging that with his perfection, which is why when God looks at you because of Hebrews 10, 14, he sees Jesus and he sees perfection and he sees righteousness, even though in your day-to-day, -day, you're a work in progress getting there. Already, but not yet. And you live from the already. And your actions, not yet, catch up to what is already true about you. This is who he says you are. And Ben, you can come up. And so this is, this is what I've been doing. Like, if this is all true, then... The most important thing that you can do with your 167 in 2020 is know, is know God. No, learn things about him, great. That serves to know him. That is the goal, to know this God more. Because, man, I'll get, I'll get like Christians who will come up to me sometimes and they'll be like, oh, just the week I've had, God's mad at me. I know God's mad at me. And what I think in my heart is, oh, you don't know him. That's why you think that. If you knew him, that would solve this issue of you thinking he's mad at you. When I see Christians go like, oh, hey, thanks for the grace. I'm still going to do whatever I want. I think, oh, you don't know him. You don't know how, how much goodness he has in store for you. You don't know about the life he's trying to lead you into because you're not pursuing him. When I hear Christians 
kind of feel like, man, I, I will always be stuck. I will always be addicted. My marriage will always be a disappointment to, be, to me. I will always, I, I, I'll, it'll never, I, I go, I get the realism maybe better than anybody, but you don't know him. And what would solve all of this is you simply knowing him and finding out how wrong you are. Know God, then you will know who you are. And when you know who you are, you will know what to do. And so I love, I love how God designed kind of the rhythm and cadence of creation and time to have fresh starts and new beginnings. And I think with great forethought, he knew that we would need it. And I love this time of year. I love resolutions. I love when, because people this time of year just seem to be more open to the power of God in their lives. And I love that we make goals and I love that we want to get healthier and we want to get closer to God and we want to do this and do that. And I think that's good that people want to change. The bad part is that 92% of those resolutions will fail by Valentine's Day statistically. And now you know why. Because we start with the do when we're supposed to start with the who. Because if you get the who, you'll know what to do. And so I made this um, when we moved to Austin to plant this church. And uh, I printed this for like 10 bucks at Walgreens if you wanted to do this this week. Um, because I am giving you homework. Because next week is part two of this talk, and we're going to talk about the do. We're going to talk about the action part. We're going to talk about the discipline part. We're going to talk about the how. Like, you want to see change this year? Next week, we're talking about the how. Today, this week, we're thinking about the who. And this is my who. And this is me showing up to Jesus as Simon and him saying, Simon, I love you exactly as you are. This is your new identity. And you're not always going to act like this or behave like this, but this is who you are already but not yet. And the more you realize this, the more you speak it over your life, because when you speak the word of God over your life, you activate the word of God within your life. And the power of life and death is not in your thoughts, although your thoughts are important. The power of life and death is in your words. And so I made this, and it, it was on my nightstand, um, but it didn't go with the furniture, so it's now... It's now by my sink in our bathroom. But I say, I speak these things every single morning. And so here it is. I am who you say I am. I am a man after God's own heart. Jesus is first in my life. And I want those who are closest to me, who know me the best and all my flaws too, to say these things about me at the end of my life. Man, he was a man after God's own heart. I love my wife and will lay down my life to serve her. My children will love God and serve him with their whole hearts. I will love, equip, and empower them to do good and to enjoy life. And by the way, I got that quote from Boy Meets World, Disney Plus, anybody? The final episode, um, Corey, Sean, and Topanga are sitting in Mr. Feeney's classroom one last time. And Corey says, Mr. Feeney, teach us one last thing. And he fights back tears and he looks at them and he says two words. He says, do good. And Sean speaks up and says, don't you mean do well? Hoping he'd finally stumped Mr. Feeney. And Mr. Feeney says, no, I mean do good. My children will love God and, I will, and will serve him with their whole hearts. And I will love, equip, and empower them to do good and enjoy life. 
I love people and I believe the best in them. The natural progression of every human pretty much as we get hurt by people, as we get burned and as, as we experience life and go through ups and downs of relationships especially is to get to the end of your life and just be peopled out. That's natural. If you get to the end of your life and you genuinely love people, that happened on purpose. I want that to be the case for me. This is who I want to be. I love people, and man, I believe the best in them. I'm difficult to offend. I am a peaceful presence in confrontation. I am a non-anxious presence because you can't live a good life without conflict anyways. I am disciplined and consistent because I have the Holy Spirit. I'm the same man on and off stage. It's what I do when nobody's looking that matters. I am calm, relaxed, and fun to be around. I enjoy my life. Really, for my son, he's 16 months old. That's my most sincere prayer for him, to enjoy life. Jesus is back from the dead. God's got salvation and eternity figured out. So for heaven's sakes, as a son or daughter of him, enjoy this life that he's given you. I am growing closer to Jesus every day. I am doing that. Because of Christ, my family is closer, my body is stronger, my faith is deeper, my leadership is sharper. I'm a good leader. I am where I am because God has put me here. I am creative, energetic, focused, and blessed, blessed beyond measure because the spirit of the living God dwells within me. I am good with details. And those of you who really know me are laughing at that right now, like, oh, yeah, you're good with it. Hey, I am, I am telling my future what the word of God says about my future. There is a person I already am in Christ, and now I'm simply just learning to live like I actually believe it's true. I am good with details, Red Rocks Church. That's who I am, and my actions will flow from that identity. My life is thriving and organized, and I have dominion over my time. I tell my schedule what to do, not the other way around. Pain is my friend. It's not God's will but it will make me stronger I bring my best and then some and then finally I will finish strong and the world will be different and better because I serve Jesus in my lifetime and every single morning I speak my who and I speak my identity out loud because if you if you can get who you are not in the world's eyes but in his eyes that's why when you know him you'll know who you are and if your identity can be can be replaced with what Jesus says about you and who God says you are then the actions will follow and I promise you if the who leads your who do dance you will see an exponential increase in your resolutions, in your life change, in how much closer you are to God, how much more character and integrity you develop this year. I promise you, if you begin with your who, this is the secret. What we normally do flipped. Jesus understands. You're Simon and I love you. You will be Peter. Rock because I see it in you and I'm calling it out of you and I love you way too much to let you leave here without me telling you that. And so this week, your homework. Next week, we'll talk about the do. Who do you wanna be? I've been telling a lot of people this. I know God, God guides us and leads us and I believe kind of like one stepping stone at a time and at least in my life, but there's been a lot of decisions in my life about my future where I really feel like God's told me, um, hey, I wanna, I wanna write that with you. I want to design your future with you. I gave you desires in your heart. And the same thing like with your identity. Like God's promises, your personality. Your personality matters because he made it. 
his promises through your personality. What is your who? And what if you could get alone with him and pursue him? What if you could start writing one of these books with God this week? And the first chapter was who, who do I want to be? January 5th, 2030. Because if I know who I want to be then, I'll know what to do between now and then. And he calls you that name today. Amen.